0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Radio Monash's No Theory. This is our final episode of Season 2, so we're very excited to have you tuning in. I'm your host, Lydia.
1: And I'm Simone, introducing this week's guest, Benari Al-Mierda. Benari is a careers officer for the Progressive Law Network, also a penultimate law student and a debater. How are you today, Benari? Benari? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's okay. I'm good, thank you. How are you guys?
0: Not bad. We're actually um, coming to listeners remotely today, given recent um, developments with COVID, but it's quite nice. We're in Simone's room and we have (laughs) some really nice dark academia stuff going on and um, (laughs) this super cute little frog pot plant so which is really cheering me up um probably more than it should be I don't know I'm it's making me concerned for myself how happy it's making me anyways we're going on a little bit of a tangent right now so um thank you so much for coming on the show we're very excited to have you here so to get started could you just tell us maybe a little bit more about yourself anything you'd like to mention really
2: um what what is there to say about me um yeah, so I'm a penultimate student, um, studying a degree in arts and law. I'm majoring in human rights. Um, pretty passionate about social change and all that jazz. Um, apart from that, my personality is probably just listening to a lot of Taylor Swift music. Um, pretty obsessed. Um, what else? I'm trying to think.
0: This is always a very broad question. We're so sorry yeah. to make that on who you
2: are <laughs> that's okay that's no stress i think this is like when we do icebreakers in classes and everyone's like oh say a fun fact about yourself I'm like, i don't really have any fun facts to be honest i think i have like I'm, yeah that's pretty much it
1: it's no, a good description of yourself um <laughs> so as our show is called no theory um, how do you say no through all of the things that you do? As you were just talking about, like being a part of Progressive Law Network and you're a law student and a debater. How do you say no through these things?
2: Um, how do I say no through these things? Well, well I guess to
0: it get to the status quo. Yeah, I yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a different way.
2: Yeah. To. Well, I guess I guess it can be hard to be honest. Like growing up in a society, especially especially as a woman, for me personally, I find that there are certain expectations of me, whether that just be like through the degree that I study, my age, what's expected of me as a woman, um, Mm -hmm. all those sorts of things, but being able to say no to those expectations, I guess. Um, I guess one example of that is sort of in my law degree, for example, um, I'm in my penultimate year this year. And it's at that stage where everyone's thinking about applying for clerkships. And I've decided I've made a highly radical decision not to apply for clerkships. Um, but it was a hard decision because it's something that's expected of me. But I sort of said, no, like, it's not something I'm not in, I'm interested in. So I'm not going to do it. But, yeah, like, sort of defying those expectations um, where people expect something else of you. So yeah, that's sort of how I say, you know, sometimes just, like, Sticking to my guns, I guess, about what I passionately care about.
0: No, that that makes a lot of sense, and I think that there's a lot of pressure um, at like a tertiary level and through these, I guess, more academic pathways to take a traditional approach um, within them. I suppose, and this is something that we've spoken to with our other guests as well, even more, and like I guess in artistic um, professions and whatnot. You know, whether you're going to be following the traditional route and trying to get your work up in a gallery or if you're going to go with a traditional publisher or if you're going to open your own gallery or even publish your own work so yeah I'm again I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here yeah. <laughs> but um
2: <laughs> we love a tangent we love a tangent <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's um that's great to see as you said sticking to your guns and realizing that you are you, you can be autonomous yeah in these sort of structures and institutions and do your own thing and away. like
1: i guess also like follow following your own values and i think that's that's really what matters at the end of the day yeah. not what everybody else is doing or not what everybody else is thinking but sticking to your guns as you're saying or sticking to your own values and i guess yeah like i guess what what do you value like why did you choose not to apply for clerkships
2: mm. well i think i think it's interesting because i find that when i this is this also goes back to high school like I went to a select entry school um, and I decided to pursue an arts degree first. And then I transferred into law after my first year. But also coming from an ethnic background, I remember there was a lot of people would just, it it, it wasn't traditional to go into an arts degree. You just wouldn't. You'd go into medicine or engineering, science, biomed, things like that. But again, I've always, maybe it's because I'm a middle child. I'm a Taurus as well. I'm pretty stubborn. I was always (laughs) like, I've always been like, I'm going to do my own thing regardless no matter how hard it is, but I would talk to people and people would be like, oh, like, good on you for doing an arts degree. Like, I wish I'd picked and decided to do an arts degree. And it's sort of that there are lots of people who want to defy the status quo, a lot of people who want to do something otherwise than they would, but I'm sort of scared to because of mm. society's expectations or what other people will think. Um, so I find that interesting, though, because it's like I know that it's not – like, I, I do things that aren't expect, like, people don't expect me to do, or I do what I want to do because it's what I'm passionate about and what I value. But there are also so many other people like that who have the same attitude, but when it comes to it in practice, they're just not able to for various reasons, whether it's because of the consequences or they're scared of what other people will think, all those sorts of things, which I find um, really interesting. But yeah, I guess for me, I've always been. I've grown up in a family where, especially, like, from my parents, it's been, like, stick to what you care about and what you're passionate about, and that's what matters the most, which is why it was a little bit easier for me to say, no, I'm going to do an arts degree or, no, I'm not going to go into commercial law um, and sort of just follow my own my own path, I guess, yeah. hmm
0: Yeah, I, I do feel like the world would look very, very different if we all followed, I guess our passions and the things we really cared about, and sort of mapped out our own—oh my gosh, this is so cliche—but our own journeys, <laughs> rather than almost like following some sort of um, yeah. preset order. Which obviously, it's a privilege to be able to do yeah. those things.
2: Yeah. but um, I think I think it can be hard though because the status quo is so ingrained in us mm-hmm. that it, it, it's it's sort of this mentality that it's like what if we were all just like, screw it, we're going to do our own thing, like we're just going to follow our own passions and just do that. But it's like a it's like a packed mentality where we're all too scared to do that mm-hmm. because straying from the status quo seems so scary because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everyone has, I mean, at least I, I feel like we live in a world where there's like a, you know, you need to survive sort of mentality and to survive, you need to follow that traditional path of go to school, even if you drop out of school, but most of the time I went to, like, entry school. So it's like, you go to school, you get a good ATAR, you get into a good degree, you graduate from that degree, you get a job, you buy a house, you buy a car, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's just what, it, what it's always been like and people are too scared to stray from that because if you stray from that and things go wrong, then, like, what are you going to do sort of mentality? So, I think yeah. uh, I
1: think it's also, like, don't want to get all, like, communist but
2: like it's <laughs> do it <Simone>. yeah. <laughs> do it of the yeah. time is now yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think we're all secretly raging socialists in my oh, opinion not, so
1: not <laughs> I think it's also like a symptom of capitalism because 100%. like if you know we have to due to the system that we're in we kind of have to get a job we have we kind of have to not all of us go to uni but like a lot of us you know go to uni, get a degree, do well in school, Mm -hmm. then get a job, and that's, like, it. Yeah. Because, like, what else else can you do? Because if you don't, you know, you'll die and starve,
2: practically. (laughs) but I have this conversation with my friends all the time because I'm always criticising capitalism, and they're like, yeah, but Bernard, like, realistically, you can't get rid of it. I'm like, but realistically, if we all had that mentality where it's, like, we have to work towards creating a different system, in mm-hmm. our societies to live by then maybe it would be achievable but it's this idea where everyone's like no like it's not possible like we just can't. Yeah. but it, it's it's interesting it's interesting because it's like we all sort of want it but we're all just like oh it's not really possible yeah so, I think
1: maybe that's also like the like I don't know the success of capitalism like it yeah. all makes yeah. us so afraid and so only concerned with our own individual yeah. like Survival—that it kind of like it like entrenches itself.
0: In, yeah, yeah, for sure. Straying away from it feels like failure, and sort of yeah, it to us. yeah. It's,
2: it's scary because at the end of the day, you don't you, you you still need to survive in this world, and so yeah, it's hard to be an anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh wow. Well, on that note, um, on that lovely socialist communist
0: night, <laughs> <note>, um,
1: <laughs> we're going to our first song, um, Clean by Taylor Swift.
0: Enjoy everyone. Yes. We'll be back soon. See ya. Welcome
1: back, everybody. This is Radio Monash. Um, Radio Monash is no theory. My brain is lagging because it's week 12.
0: I think that's what we're called. (laughs) That's the show we're on right now, (laughs) maybe. Um, But, yeah, we're here today with Benari from Progressive Law Network. On that note, Benari, could you tell us a little bit more about this club slash society and
2: what you do? Uh, Sure. So the Progressive Law Network, the PLN, Um, is just a club at Monash. We're based at Clayton, um, but basically we're just a club that's, you know, got members of, like, just law students. Actually, you don't even have to be a law student. Um, But basically we're just more focused on the progressive area of law. Um, At Monash, just law in general, there's a huge emphasis on commercial and private law, Um, and it can be really hard sometimes to navigate your way – in like progressive law, which is why the club exists. Um, we're sort of there to just like, you know, be a place for like-minded students um, to get together and sort of discuss and have events and all that sort of stuff around progressive law and how the law can be used to create social change in the world. Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. Um, what kind of opportunities and events?
2: does the pln offer yeah um so we have like we have two main portfolios so we have the events portfolio and the careers um i'm the careers officer and we sort of focus on how to facilitate um opportunities for students who are interested in progressive law because usually you find that it's not the same as commercial law where you know you do clerkships and then you get grad jobs and you work your way up progressive law you sort of have to figure your own way like you have to find your own pathways sometimes um so we just like we in the careers portfolio we sort of post about internships um we have a careers guide that we've launched pretty much every year we started a mentoring program last year for the first time and we're hoping to like expand on that this this year as well and then in terms of events we have all sorts of um different events we sort of focus on specific areas of progressive law. Um, At the start of the year, we had an event with Julian Burnside um, on asylum seekers and refugee law. And then literally last week, we had one on judicial impartiality um, with Judge Pillay, which was pretty good as well. Um, So yeah, it's just different types of events that students can attend where they might be interested in that area of law. So, yeah.
0: Brilliant. Um, Just on what you mentioned there, I wanted to ask more about that, the importance of judicial diversity. Um, Yeah, could you tell us a little bit about that
2: event? Um, So I didn't actually get to attend the event because I had class. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's okay. But the judicial diversity um, event where actually the PLN is doing a submission at the moment into that topic and sort of, how you can change the legal sphere um, in a way, whether that's, like, at a higher level when it comes to lawyers and who works in the area or even just, like, making the legal system more accessible to people of different backgrounds. Um, Even if it's just in law school, sometimes you walk into your classes and you notice that there isn't a lot of diversity. Um, I think we've made quite a bit of progress in terms of... um, having more women in the legal sphere. But when it comes to especially people of different ethnic backgrounds, I think there's a lot more progress that can be made. Um, so, yeah, the importance of judicial diversity, I guess, is that, I mean, if you want to, you should, in, especially in Australia, in a multicultural society, you want to be representing the sort of society that you live in. But how can you sort of do that if there isn't enough diversity in the judicial Sphere. Um So that's what that, that's all about. And we basically had Judge Pillay come in and sort of talk about, the, talk about that issue um, and how you can sort of make progress in the area, especially as law students pushing for more of that judi- judicial diversity. Do you
1: think that um, diversity in the court would like impact the outcomes of court decisions?
2: I do think so, because I think that sometimes it can... Well, not even. I mean, I don't. I don't think this is even opinion, to be honest, because I feel like it's pretty clear that if, for example, a white man would not be able to, no matter how progressive or understanding they were, they just wouldn't be able to understand the experiences of a woman of color of working class background. You know, that sort of like if it doesn't matter how much you study this stuff at the end of the day, because lived experiences really make a difference in how we view other people and their own experiences. Um, So I definitely think that diversity, really does make a difference. It would would make a huge difference in the outcomes that we would see um, in courts, especially, I mean, when you look at our legal system and how we treat Indigenous people as well. Um, Having Indigenous people in the court system, working in the court system, would have a huge difference because they've lived a different experience. They, they would see things through a different lens and having those different lenses, I, I think, is really important to ensuring that we achieve the best outcomes for people.
1: And um, and on to a slightly different topic, um, what do you do as um, a careers officer specifically?
2: Yeah. Um, So, this semester has been pretty, pretty chill for the careers portfolio. Um, We haven't gone up to much, but next semester is when things start ramping up for us. But the careers portfolio, basically, we just, it's, we, we try and help law students who are interested in progressive law to get somewhere, not to get somewhere, but to sort of, like, help them sort of figure out how they can navigate um, working in this area, because we when you talk to someone who works in the progressive law area, pretty much most of the time they will say that it's, a lot of it is just finding your own, um, pathway. I think it can be really hard. Like I said before, like in commercial law, you just do a clerkship and then you could get a grand role. You work for a firm, but in progressive law, it's not like that. You have so many different types of like progressive law, so many different institutions. There's no like law firms per se that you can just go get a job at. Um, sometimes you won't even be doing more work you might just be doing like policy writing or working for a governmental department that sort of stuff um so we have a we release like a careers guide every year which just sort of has um different institutions that you can sort of get internships for volunteer at for every different type of progressive law we have different types um and we publish that and then with that, there's a Beyond Commercial Careers um, event that we run, which is just a panel, and we get in speakers from different um, areas of progressive law who sort of work in the area, and they sort of just talk about how they navigated their own careers. Um, and then the other sort of main initiative that we do is um, we run a mentoring program. Um, so we're currently actually in the process of reaching out to different um, professionals in progressive law and sort of asking if they would be interested in mentoring any any um, students who are interested in progressive law. Um, So that's basically what the careers portfolio does. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for all that info. Um, Just on this term, though, progressive law, could you maybe, and this might be a bit challenging, but try and give us, I guess, a clearer definition of this or maybe even give some examples of, like, what kinds of law or specialisations can be categorised under this sort of umbrella term? Yeah.
2: I definitely agree. Progressive law sometimes I think about the term and I'm like, what does it what what does it actually mean? I guess progressive law is sort of just I think that all areas of law, you're obviously creating a change for people. Even in commercial law, you're helping someone who might be going through a contractual dispute, you know, like fighting over property or something like that. But I think progressive law is more focused on social justice issues. Mm-hmm. Um sort of taking it back to people's fundamental human rights, like the basic necessities, I, I would say it, that's how I would sort of define it. Um, and progressive law is sort of just like how you can use the law to create social change as well. Um, so some of the different types would be asylum, secret, refugee law, um, gender law, um, how the law impacts on Indigenous people, Um, disability law, employment law also sometimes comes under that, Um, just like workplace rights, all that. Uh, Animal law, that's a very niche area though, but Mm -hmm. that's also another one. (laughs) Climate change and environmental justice, it's, again, they're very, they're not your typical areas of law where, you know, you go to law school and you learn about this and then you can go get a job. They're Mm -hmm. also very, like, I think social justice is something that sort of it it progresses through the years and climate change and environmental justice, for example, it hasn't been a huge thing for a very long time Mm -hmm. and it's only become very prominent in the past few decades. So it's only now people are sort of realising, oh, there is legal work to be done in these areas. You can actually have an impact on that through the law which is why, again, it's hard if you're a student and you're interested in this area. It's hard to find where you can get a job in those sorts of areas because there aren't really, like, set jobs. that You can't just go and be like, oh, I'm going to work as a lawyer for environmental climate change law. It it just doesn't exist like that. Um, So, yeah.
1: And and going off of that, um, and you kind of mentioned this kind of previously, what are the type of careers or, like, jobs that are specified under like progressive law
2: to be honest it's hard because a lot of it is like community legal work um that's you know one of the main things apart from that you know a lot of people you don't end up actually some people do but it's you don't end up working as a lawyer per se um you might be working sort of you know for a governmental department, um, you might do policy policy writing, um, working on legislation, that sort of stuff. There's no, not that there isn't, there are obviously jobs. Um, I think that's a myth that there aren't jobs. There are jobs, like, there's always something that you can do, um, you can find to do. And even if you can't, you can sort of find your own pathway and create a job for yourself. I'm a big believer in that. Um, but yeah, it's just not as easy as being like, Okay, I'm gonna graduate and I'm gonna work as a lawyer for, you know, gender rights. It's mm-hmm. just it just just doesn't work like that. Yeah, not as clear cut and as yeah.
0: well, sort of like paving your own way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Do you think that these specializations and areas um are valued less in the industry,
2: perhaps than like commercial? Sometimes I do think that just because historically, like the legal industry has just, you just haven't, like it's just not been a thing. Um, It's sort of like, it's not undervalued, but it's underrepresented and people don't know about it. Mm, That's that's the, I I think that that's the problem. The fact that, you know they're all there are all of these like emerging areas of law not even emerging i mean they've all always been issues but we've only started to sort of notice it and care about it in the past few decades and so but there's no established sort of um area that like like a place that you can go to and be like okay we're going to work in this area and so people just don't know about it mm-hmm. um
1: Do you think that has, like, an impact on the social justice issues that you're talking about? Like, do you think for, like, climate change, for example, do you think that's had, like, a negative impact on how much progress we've been able to make?
2: I think it definitely slows it down, the fact that it's so underrepresented and, you know, we don't – it's just – yeah, it, I feel like it slows down the amount of progress that we can make and how we go about making progress. If that makes sense, um, yeah, definitely. It's just it's just one of those hard things where it's like, you know, I did a I did a unit last year called the Global Lawyer over summer, and one of the readings we had to do was, are there too many law students and not enough like jobs, right? And it, it was interesting because our lecturer talked to us about how, if you think about it, that's not true. Because when we talk about, like, law jobs or becoming a lawyer, we're only talking about the traditional ones. We're only talking about working in commercial law firms. Um, We don't talk about how we can create more jobs for law students. Like, there's so much to do in the legal sphere. There's so much work to be done, and yet we don't, talk about it because they're not set jobs and I guess again it goes back to sort of what we were talking about before students not just students but a lot of people are too scared to stray from that because what if you don't end up getting a paid job then what are you going to do so no one's doing the work like no one's creating jobs to do or work in that area even though there is work to be done if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah and I guess too something I've noticed with those jobs and the ones that do exist and have been a little more consolidated people are scared off because a they might not be paid as well um or b they might just be a little bit of a bummer and you know which is yeah. kind of like the price you have to pay when going yeah. into social justice and activism in any industry
2: yeah.
0: um the but PLN, I
2: guess. yeah the PLN actually had an event uh, at the during um mid this semester it was called pursuing progressive law and it was just sort of like an introductory um event for a lot of students who are new members and things like that and we just had a panel of um lawyers who work in progressive law and all all of them sort of said the same thing you know they're not it it can be hard to stick around sometimes because you feel like you know you're putting in all this effort and you're not also getting because social justice does like change it doesn't happen overnight Mm -hmm. you know it's a lot of work it happens over years and sometimes it can be hard to stick through in those areas and then also yeah the pay and you know just having to like advocate for other people sometimes it can also be mentally and emotionally draining as well Mm -hmm. so it's just like all these factors compounded together and it's just like people like oh I'll just not follow my passions or do anything like that because just working commercial law would just be easier. You have to pay nine to five. That's pretty much it. Job done. You know, it's sort of – it's just a harder area of law to go into because of how many barriers there are with, like, so many different aspects. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I can imagine that there would be, I guess – so many kids who graduate high school, sort of, you know, wide-eyed, optimistic, let's change the world kind of thing, go into law and then realise that, I guess, committing to it as a lifestyle long-term can be very draining. As you said, just like the the minimal sort of material results you get. Um, can you, can you so. confirm I
1: was
2: one of those kids? <laughs> um, I was def- I definitely, in, I'm fourth year now. In first year, I was a lot more optimistic. Um, and sometimes you just have to take a step back and be like, "This is hard, but some change, a little bit of change is better than no change." Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, yeah, I think that's that's my main like motto that I come back to every time. I'm like, "Oh, I hate this degree. I just sort of, you know." And, and sometimes I'm like, "Oh, I wish I was, just, you know, into like commercial law and, because it, it can be like mentally draining. I reckon sometimes." especially when you do talk to people about it, um, people who work in those areas as well sometimes. Like it's a lot of work to be done and sometimes it can be very like frustrating how little change does occur, especially when you're seeing the things that you're seeing. But yeah, like I said, a little bit of change is better than no change. So that keeps keeps you going, keeps you motivated.
1: How can um, lawyers kind of maintain uh, a good mental health um when you know when it's it can be such a draining uh
2: career well I mean I can't say because I haven't worked yet I mean but as a (laughs) law student who gets drained by it all the time I read too much of the news I always get really upset when I see things I'm it's it's frustrating because to me I just can't understand how you know we let for example, like people live on the streets, how homelessness is a thing, how people live in poverty. To me, it's crazy to think that that's the sort of world that we live in. And sometimes it's sort of just like having to take a step back and be like, I can't take on the whole world. I can't take on the weight of the whole world and understand that there's only so much that I can do. Um, sort of taking taking a step back from looking at the world and sort of just focusing on my own life and what I can do on an individual level. Um, Also, I think it's really important to just take time to just not think about those things. Mm. Um, That's something I really struggled with for a really long time. I wasn't very good at that. Um, But now that I'm a bit older, I do understand that, like I said, I can't fix everything, and none of this happens overnight. So it's sort of even just like taking a day off, not going on my phone, not looking at that sort of stuff or reading about that sort of stuff, taking a day to myself to do my own thing, do something that I I enjoy, hang out with my friends, read a book, jam out to Taylor Swift. Honestly, it helps. So um, And I'm sure lawyers do the exact, I mean, yeah, we asked um, the panellists at that event, like, you know, what do you do to sort of you know, deal with that mental and emotional sort of toll that it takes? A lot of them sort of say the same thing, you know, just understanding that it's you can't do everything and that's just how it is and you can't create change overnight so just remembering that what you are doing just the fact that you do care enough to even be in that room and be there listening to other people is a huge thing in itself because a lot of people don't mm-hmm. um yeah that makes a, a lot of
0: sense yeah a lot of great advice there yeah <laughs>
1: definitely. I think that can apply to everything mm-hmm. honestly oh. Always, especially, especially with the news, like, but also, like, I guess in particular with, like, what you guys, you know, progressive lawyers wanting to change social issues through the law, then obviously that would have a slightly different impact. But, like, for, and for people who aren't in law, I think that's also a good tip because um, everyone can feel very overwhelmed with all of the bad news that's just coming in. Because, you
0: know, yeah. isn't that newsworthy. <laughs> Unfortunately. And, and
2: I feel like you can create social change through a lot of different types of work. You know, businesses, true, corporations, engineering, medicine, teaching. Like, teaching on a fundamental level, the education system. You can create so much social change in how you teach kids in this world, especially, like, our future generations. And I'm sure teachers get frustrated when they see little kids behaving, you know, in a certain way that can be detrimental to other children. But it's just trying, like, sort of, like, doing what you can on an individual level to create that social change because none of us are superheroes. We can't do everything. Um, So, yeah.
0: I think something that makes me very sad about some of the stigmas surrounding law, though, like when I've spoken to some friends and whatnot, um about, I guess, legal professions and the industry, there tends to be this stigma of, you know, it's all very cutthroat and money-driven sort of thing, which obviously there is definitely that in there. I'm not so sure we can deny that. But these more sort of like progressive or social justice-oriented pathways are very much like overshadowed and overlooked to the point where people completely forget they exist. Do you think they, in their own way, though, can also be equally cutthroat and competitive? Or do you think it is a little bit of like a a different environment, perhaps even a little bit
2: less toxic? What do you think about that? I like to think that it is less toxic. At least from my experiences so far, I have found that it is less toxic. I mean, you know, there's the PLN for example, we send out fortnightly newsletters and we always send out different internship opportunities, different jobs. That students can apply for in those areas of law I don't find that at least on a law school level like I don't find it's the same level of competitiveness it feels like a lot of people are helping each other and we actually had one of the panelists who was who came to our pursuing progressive law event she was talking to us about how her and her friend they went to law school together at Monash actually and they were both applying for the same jobs the same internships etc cetera, etc cetera. and yet they were helping each other with their applications, and they genuinely would have genuinely would have been happy for one another if one person had gotten a job, whereas the other wouldn't. And I've somehow, luckily, I've managed to make friends in my law degree with people who are sort of um, interested in progressive law as well, and who sort of ha- feel the same way. And it's—I've never felt like. It's the same sort of cutthroat that we hear about in commercial law. Um, I found that everyone's willing to help each other out, which is really nice. I pre- I like, I was scared going into law because of those sorts of things that I'd heard, but I do find that in progressive law, it's not the, it's not the same sort of competition. Mm-hmm. Even though we all know that there aren't a lot of jobs per se, everyone's like. And maybe it's because we're all a lot more passionate. I mean, I think that we're a lot more passionate about what we are interested in, which is why we're also willing to go the extra step to pave our, like, find our own path. Um, Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. I think it does. It does, yeah.
0: I think, too, I mean you would sort of hope that it would be that different environment and, you know, wanting other people to get jobs and for this sort of sector to expand more because the more it expands, the more progress we'll make. Changes we'll see. So for more of, I guess, like that collective rather than individualistic approach. I don't know. I
2: just And I I don't think that anyone, there's no reason to really go into progressive law apart from the fact that you want to create change. Exactly, Mm. Right. So, because if you think about it, what can you, you know, what can you sort of g- gain through going into progressive? Because it's not like there's heaps of money there. It's not like there's heaps of jobs there.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, you, can't, you wouldn't really go into that area unless it's something you're really passionate about and something you really want to, like, you know, help other people through. Yeah. So it just wouldn't make sense for it to be that same level of competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Onto a slightly different, possibly controversial topic now.
2: <laughs> oh, we love that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. So, how can the law is does the law um ever like further marginalise marginalised groups?
2: Oh,
0: <laughs> big question. Yeah. Sorry to spring on you towards the end of our interview.
2: Yeah, Again, I guess.
0: Maybe while you have a bit of a thing, I guess I've just noticed sort of, again, people have quite a, a negative view of the law based on both the environment and the people working in it, but also the law itself, you know, sort of more the written word and like how it manages society. People also find that very sort of toxic and destructive and designed to, you know, prop others up, but further marginalize yeah. um, some groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what, what do you think on that?
2: I mean, I definitely think that it can. All I can think about is when you ask for that question, America. You know, like in America, it's very clear that the law definitely marginalizes people of certain groups. It's the you know, the the like outcomes and judgments that are made in certain cases have an impact on future cases, right? I mean in Australia, like precedent, you know, it, it has a huge impact and I find it I find it interesting because in Australia we actually think we're quite progressive and we do think our legal system is quite good but I definitely think that you know certain judgments that have been made in certain cases can definitely impact marginalized groups and also just legislation in general you know like it's it's such a long process to change to amend legislation or create new legislation and then how Politics also interacts with that, mm. you know, because um, when you don't, when you don't have people who are in power supporting to push through certain legislation that can help marginalized groups, then you're not going to get anywhere. So mm. as much as you know, I I love criticizing the legal system, so much of it is also politics, the politics behind the legal system, you know, and Me. And also, the, you know, the judges that we have, you know, our high court judges, again, this also comes back to judicial diversity. There's not enough diversity. So how can you have only white people as high court judges creating certain decisions that they will never understand how it will impact marginalised groups? Mm-hmm. So in a short answer, yes, the legal system definitely further marginalises marginalised groups but there's it's not just the legal system per se it's all of these different systems interacting with one another to harm marginalised groups like a good
1: example i think is like i don't know the public drunkenness um laws like the, the reason like and i think sometimes you overlook the issues with like australian law like the especially laws that like affect indigenous australians like as i said yeah the a public drunkenness um, law that, you know, basically um, killed Tanya Day. Um, and that was in Victoria too. Like it's not just in like the Northern Territory and in like these remote places. Um, yeah, and, and that that law really like targets and like disproportionately targets um, mm-hmm. Indigenous Australians. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was what was on my mind when I wrote that question.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's also the fact that, like, when when certain, you know, judges make decisions, they don't see it as disproportionately affecting a whole group of people because they look at it as a case-by-case scenario, right? Yeah. They look at a certain case and they say, how does this individually impact the person? They don't look at... Because that's not, that's not what, you know... That's what they're meant to do, I guess. But at the end of the day, it can have an impact on a larger group of people, but that often goes overlooked because Mm -hmm. when you're determining a certain case, you're not looking at, per se, like, the impact it has on society as a whole or certain groups of people. Um, So, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, I was always a very, like, I'm I'm a human rights major and I was very, like, not going into politics I don't don't like politics politics ruins human rights should not be politicized and all that sort of stuff but
0: then
2: you I also came to the realization that politics plays such a huge role in how it interacts with people's human rights and then also the legal system and there's just so much of it is intertwined as much as we like to talk about the separation of powers in Australia (laughs) how you know it's so separate but so much of it is intertwined and to, to fix some of these issues, if it, sometimes it feels like you'd have to overhaul the whole system, to be honest, which is also probably not possible. So. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: why we need more students and yeah. budding lawyers such as yourself wanting to go into these spheres yeah. in this sector to <laughs> chip away at it?
2: <laughs> I mean, if I had it my way, I would make it compulsory because we have to um, – it's compulsory to do a commercial law elective um, and most of our calls are also commercial law units. If I had it my way, I'd make it also compulsory to do progressive, you know, progressive law electives. Um, even if it's just a fundamental human rights and law, I don't know, something like that. I think that it's so important that we we realize. I mean, I think it's so important to learn about these things, and it frustrates me that a lot of students. A lot of people in general are very unaware um, of these issues, and yeah, pretty bit of a sad note. But yeah,
1: no, I think I think I think there's hope. You're just saying like, at least you know what what one possible solution could be. So yeah, maybe we can change things.
0: (laughs) 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 Cross. Oh, wow. I feel like we've gone full circle. So yeah. Back to our, our commie talk a little bit. Yeah. Overhauling the system, burn yeah. it all down. Yeah. But um, on that note, we may have to start wrapping up for today, Vinari. So thank you so much for coming on the show and, um, yeah, chatting with this, with, about all of this. It definitely is like an overshadowed sector in in law, I think, and overcoming some of those stigmas and making more people realise, you know, it can be such a tool for change and there's so much opportunity to for change within it to make it a real power for social justice. So thank you for your lovely work and your passion. Yeah, thanks so thank much for letting us interview you. It, mm-hmm. it was a pleasure. Thanks
2: for having me. I enjoyed it. <laughs>
0: So um, Benari is on Instagram as well as the Progressive Law Network. Their page in particular has some really interesting and informative stuff, all of the infographics on sort of social justice snapshots and whatnot. So definitely check those out um, and, yeah, educate yourselves there. We will have to leave it there today with Benari's final song choice, I Will Follow You by Ricky Nelson. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone, this semester. Have a lovely break. That's all from me, Samo, Do you have anything to add? Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I've had a very fun semest- uh, first
1: semester, and we'll see you again in semester two. Mm-hmm.
0: See yeah. everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.